0: Welcome to episode 51 of No Shot Clock, the Chicago High School Basketball Podcast. I'm Michael O'Brien from the Chicago Sun-Times, here with Joe Henrikson of the City's Suburban Hoops Report. Special uh, topic for this episode, everybody. It is life outside the Super 25. We're going to do our best to only talk about teams that have not been ranked at all this year we got a segment full of that kind of stuff i guess we are going to have to hit them at the beginning and end because questions have been asked and we want to hit all your questions and then at the end we'll look at the week ahead so uh you ready to get started joe
1: uh, i'm good to go we got uh, quite a few questions actually
0: we do the first one is from steven johnson he says can we get your predictions for who wins each game in the glenbart east shootout when sides collide in two weeks
1: yeah, uh, well, two weeks. You know, we got Naperville North playing <laughs> Evanston. I think we'll both go to Evanston. Uh, Jake, I, I think the interesting one is Jacobs versus Hillcrest, just because Jacobs is undefeated, hasn't played the type of schedule that that other top twenty-five teams have played. They get a shot at a a quality mainstay program in high school basketball, a- athletic team in Hillcrest. Ah, Hillcrest in need of a big win. That's a tough – I don't know. Who are you picking on that one?
0: You know, I was really down on Hillcrest, and then they had a nice win over the weekend in Michigan at the event Young lost in. Marcus Garrett had like 32 or something. But I'm going to go with Jacobs. I think they know how to use Crutwig, and Hillcrest has no way to stop him.
1: And I'm going to go Hill- Jacobs just because I think they've got that things circled as a as a big game for them regardless of maybe Hillcrest struggles. See I'm gonna go with Jacobs in a tight one. Uh and then the big one, uh that uh brings together two top ten consent uh, Joliet West and and Young, uh who I think a lot of people consider Peoria potential. And uh I'm gonna go with Young just because I think they've been hot. They're playing well. I know they lost out of state, but I'm gonna go Young in a close one.
0: Huh up by forty. <laughs> Joliet actually is not in the top ten anymore, but hopefully they get back.
1: They'll be back. Yeah. I got faith in, in, in your boys.
0: <laughs> I, I think
1: they'll beat. Where my are they number at? 12, 13, 50 Where you got them?
0: They're twelve. Okay. They got to be below Bloom. Bloom has to be below HF. It's a whole.
1: Yeah, I. Uh, it's a whole thing. I. But really, I mean, you're taking Julia West. Yeah, yeah, I think they'll win it close one or
0: by 40 obviously by 40 <laughs> no I, I saw Tavion Kirk at the uh, Fenwick game he promised to score 30 but uh I, I told him I don't care how many points you score you got to get a win So that's
1: a great little matchup there with Castaneda and Tavion Kirk at point guard but it is. Yeah, we'll that, probably talk more about those next week but that's going
0: to yeah. be a fun one I, I think Joliet West you know they've got something that not a lot of teams that I think Casterberry is going to be big he has to play well You know, if he can rebound well, Elijah Ward hits the boards well, I think Joliet has a nice size advantage in that game.
1: And I do think they're going to be sky high because they know that that's an opportunity for a big time win. And they haven't, they had their shot down at Pontiac and didn't even get the shot because they lost upset by Bloom. Uh, And then they follow that up, Mike, with, with Bolingbrook the uh, following week. So that's a big five, six days for, for Joliet West.
0: And, uh, Steve Johnson, in his email here, actually gave us a kind of a DVC breakdown, a summary of the DVC. I saw that. It's great. Um, If we had more time, I could read this whole thing. It kind of gave me an idea for a podcast. Maybe we ask listeners to maybe break down some of the conferences we don't hit a lot and maybe we talk about the top of them in one of the upcoming ones. If they could do a job like Stephen did here, <laughs> we'd be set. Um, yeah. But, yeah, great job in that, Stephen. I appreciate it. And uh, we'll kind of think about this in a little bit more and maybe come up with a way to uh, get listeners to do more than just ask questions. Maybe they can contribute a bit. Um, next up is from John David. He says, if Undefeated's Fremd, Marist, Jacobs, and Geneva continue to run the table against their respective schedules, will any of them ever crack the top five, top ten? He says, excluding Fremd, because Fremd's already a top ten team. Um, uh, Marist, I think, you know, I have not seen them yet. Uh, maybe. I'm still deciding where I'm going to go on Friday. They're in consideration. They play Marion. I-, I can see definitely Marist being a top ten team. Yeah, if
1: they run the table, they... Play in that conference. They they got to crack it eventually.
0: Yeah, top five seems unlikely to me. Um, same for Jacobs. I don't think it's crazy to think that they won't make the top ten. I think it's it's difficult. I, I I don't see them making the top five. They just don't have enough talent. Geneva, I don't see either. Nah, I don't see that one. Um, but That's eh. kind of an, that was one of the more solid questions to answer (laughs) i feel like i feel pretty solid about that although you know what you got to take this back i hadn't thought of this all the way through what if geneva makes another rundown state and they wind up in the final top 10 that's very undefeated um well yeah they won't be undefeated but uh, i don't think but i I guess i can see a way in with the end of year with the way i do the final rankings you know where if geneva makes it to a super or something it's possible they're in the top ten, so I'll, I'll give them an outside shot. Next up, Ronell Chapman, probably the premier question asker here on uh, No Shot Clock. says, hey guys, what is the lineup and time for the Bob Hambrick Classic this weekend? Uh, that is on the website now. It might not have been, I guess it was earlier this morning, um, so you can check that out. The premier game is Thornton against Curie. Saturday night, is it, at 8? Um,
1: I, I do not have that one
0: Saturday or Sunday night at eight. Yeah. It's a Saturday night at eight. I think um, that is definitely the top game Thornton against Curie. Uh, I saw Thornton the guys this week. They are definitely looking forward to it. I think Thornton is better than people are giving them credit for shocker. Michael O'Brien goes to the South suburbs and starts telling people the teams are better. I don't know why there is such a, it seems like, you know, Bloom still isn't getting the respect they deserve Thornton. They're not great, but I'd heard some people really down in them after seeing them early. They don't have a ton of offensive weapons. That's true. Um, not like last year where they had a couple of kids who could score and shoot. But Orlando Allen is an interesting player. He can do a lot. He can really. I get to like the,
1: Orlando yeah, Allen a lot. He gets to the uh, basket for guys' size. But I think another reason, Mike, is that they have kind of been unseen. Uh, you go down to you know Decatur, or they're out of out of the area for Thanksgiving. You know, nobody paid attention, unfortunately, to the Dipper. So they yeah. haven't had those, you know, uh, marquee opportunities to kind of showcase themselves. I think that's kind of why. Well, I mean, you talked to some people that said they were a little bit down. I, I didn't. I wouldn't suspect that, but you know, I, I just think uh, they're going to be seen more here in the second half of the season a little bit more with some of these matchups.
0: Yeah, no doubt. And when you look back at the schedule now, that nine-point win over Lockport doesn't seem so crazy after what they did with HF. They beat Proviso East by 15, who I just saw give Fenwick a very good game at Fenwick. Um, they play defense. I guess my it was going to be my main point. Like, they're on fire. One of the teams that really plays defense that I've seen this year, Thornton. And when you've got that plus Alonzo Verge, you should be all right. Uh, and they okay. got
1: three out-of-state losses. I mean, out-of-state, out-of-the-area out area, losses. yeah, But just er- some good teams.
0: Early. And Ty Street said that they weren't playing very well early. So, um, this next thing... Next part of the question is a bit long, so hold on. Do you think coaches at the high school level who may coach club basketball receive checks or other gifts of monetary value from certain shoe companies if a highly talented player they coach signs to play a university that's sponsored by a shoe company that sponsors the player's team? Um,
1: Is that strictly relegated to high school coaches that coach AAU?
0: I don't know. Um, It says at the high school level.
1: I mean... (laughs) <laughs> I've heard all kinds of stories of all kinds of payments to all different types of people in basketball, but um, specifically yeah. to a high school coach who's involved with AAU, there's not a ton of those guys to begin with, and and guys that are getting paid are, are I mean, I mean you're 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 talking the elite cream of the crop prospects, and I guarantee it's happening around the country. I just can't specifically say here in Chicago.
0: Yeah, it's funny to me that people still ask these questions. Uh, I mean, what when, did raw recruits come out in the late '80s or early '90s?
1: Yeah, it didn't it didn't go away? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it's this has like been an established fact. The money colleges are paying for high school kids for yeah. l- like thirty years.
1: Yeah, it's. Um, I would love to be able to write a book. I, I, I mean. There's just so much stuff that, that you hear, and some is a rumor, some of it you, you, you feel pretty good about, and it's just fact. I mean, it's, it happens, it goes on, and uh, at all different levels, from small amounts to large amounts, so it, it is what it is.
0: Next up is a question, which I think may be a first in no shot clock history. Uh, Julian Kenner, who played for Whitney Young. Um, not too long ago, actually, You're making me feel old, since he's already an assistant coach at Whitney Young, and that's what I think is a first. I don't think we've ever had an actual staff member ask a podcast question, have we?
1: I, I don't think so.
0: So, yeah, how about that? <laughs> I guess that means we're official. But Julian says, uh, is Lucas Williamson frontrunner for Mr. Basketball? If not, what does he have to do? Have a 50-point game, win city, state?
1: A little biased, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, we've talked, we talked about them um, last, you week, know, yeah, yeah. last week, I think as you know, the front runner at the midway point. I mean, there's a lot of season left and right now it's a, somebody is, it's a clear Avenue for somebody to jump up and grab that, that really prestigious award of player of the year. And it's sitting there, and no one has, to be honest with you. Now, with that being said, you know, Lucas Williamson has can, has done what he needs to do, and he just has to continue doing it and kind of hope that nobody else kind of steals steals it away from him. But, yeah, I mean, he's put himself in contention for postseason awards, there's no question.
0: Yeah, winning a city tournament run always helps, because that's right around when we have to pick it. I, I would say, no Joe Eastern, you know, I got a chance to look at his numbers the beach ball he put up some numbers you know which is something he'd been criticized for terrific numbers yeah Yeah, so that's where and with the way that team is playing the chances they have to get big wins i think he's in the conversation and you know alonzo verge i clarified some stuff he's only missed two games this year one was with an ankle injury one was for a team rule violation but one game isn't going to keep him out if he can you know, somehow score 35 and beat Curie this weekend and keep going well. So I think some of the contenders we thought earlier are kind of maybe a little bit back in it, but yeah, it's wide open. Lucas Williamson is definitely one of the guys, but I, I, yeah, as Joe said, a lot, a lot of basketball to be played. Um, Next question is from Austin LaGesse, who's asked in the past, um, he's got some stuff about Mark Smith and Jordan Goodwin. Um, I don't know if you guys noticed Jordan Goodwin got hurt. He hurt his shoulder. Over the weekend, that could definitely affect the Mr. Basketball race for sure, depending on how much time he misses maybe. Um, I'm assuming he's going to come back. I don't know. And uh, the actual question here, uh, shootouts seem to be the new hot thing in high school basketball around this time of the season. If you both have the opportunity to host a one-day shootout that consists of only Illinois teams from anywhere in the state, there are seven games, 14 teams. Who do you invite? What are the matchups? What is your signature game and where do you play it at?
1: You got your lineup. I, I came got, up with it. Yeah. I I, I go ahead and give give yours. I, right. I got a, a a suggestion of what to do.
0: I went back to the old um, thing that Cyrus McGinnis used to do when he ran the CPS because I liked it. Yeah, over two days, a weekend at Chicago State, it was kind of a city versus suburbs thing, and I think we're no one has replaced it, and not even close, really. Um, the, the Chicago League Classic has city and suburban teams in it. I guess we had maybe one matchup this year, the North Lawndale, Joliet West game that did that, but we really need this. So I think that's why Austin's question is interesting. It just doesn't happen enough. You know, we might get one or two games a month of top city teams against top suburban teams. So my signature top game number one is uh, of course Simeon against Joliet West. It didn't happen at Pontiac. I want it to happen now. See if the tigers are for real. Uh, the next game is one I really like Morgan Park against Bennett. We, uh, we've never seen Morgan, any of the Morgan Park teams really against a team that kind of plays like Bennett, you know, they went down to Lincoln way West in the playoffs last year, kind of a disciplined team. So we've seen Simeon against Bennett Curie. I really would like to see Morgan Park Bennett. So next up we got Curie against Bolingbrook, kind of a a high level CPS test for Bolingbrook. Then we have young against Fremd which is a, a weird game. And then uh, Orr against Evanston. We, I've never really seen this Evanston team team against a Red West, just hard-nosed fighting team. And I think Orr would really like the chance to play No Jelly Eastern. I think that'd be fun. And next up, uh, another game I like, <laughs> North Lawndale and Marist. Uh, Marist against the Red West. To me, would be a lot of fun. I think the Red West is a very interesting style of basketball. And we saw it doesn't always work. You know, they went down... Uh, North London went down to Wheaton South, so could Maris do the same thing? You know they have more talent than than Wheaton South, and then the opener. Kenwood <laughs> against
1: Dwight. <laughs> oh, come on,
0: gotta make. It, let's see what Justin. <laughs> everybody loves to down Justin Fox, so I'm Dude. putting him against Kenwood on That's the like one random
1: bowl games. Uh. <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: <laughs> Kenwood Dwight, nine a.m. <laughs> Uh, I, Well, first of all, I would hate any seven – I don't like seven-game sh- seven shootouts. But here, here's an idea I'm going to float out of the box. I've actually talked about this with coaches and what I'd love to do. It, it kind of goes along with, I don't know, people that follow college basketball. Towards the end of the season, they have a bracket buster type weekend. I think it's a weekend or a day, uh, Saturday, where all the mid-majors, all the top mid-majors basically leave open a date. And they have played in the past, the top mid-majors have played each other. And kind of to get another little added win for the resume and so forth. So my idea was, and I've talked about this recently with high school coaches, a few high school coaches, kind of in jest and fun, but somewhat serious. Where 16, I, and I'm in charge of this, by the way, 16 teams of my choosing, agree to keep open one date, say, early February, late January. They agree to keep open six, uh, one date for their one game. And you see how these teams play out over the course of the year. I would try to forecast. I probably would not have forecasted a friend uh, to have this type of season. But I obviously would have had a Jacobs or, uh, you know, and, and you may have picked a, a few teams wrong. But what it would lead me or let me allow to do is then you have the 16 teams. You're hoping 12 or 13 of them live up to what they were going to be, like maybe a Bolingbrook. And anyway, then I get to pair them together at that late date. Like your idea right there, Mike, is terrific. But nobody would ever – you'd never be able to get those matchups 12 months out in predicting most of them at least uh because yours, yours fit perfect with how the season's going. So my idea is 16 teams, four different sites you have four teams playing a double header you pick the gym of those four you know those four teams one of them would host and then the same night you got four double headers around the Chicago area with these 16 pre-selected teams so you could match up you know let's I'll just throw one Bolingbroke versus Jacobs uh, also, we got two unbeaten teams playing in late January, different styles, different geographical areas. And then you followed up with another doubleheader game. So it was just kind of a bracket buster college basketball idea at the high school level where everybody kind of agrees to keep that one game open and not really know who you play until about a week before you to play them. And just a little bit fun, a little bit different and completely out of the box thinking.
0: And for those who think Joe's idea is insane, an awful lot of CPS teams head into the season with one game open. <laughs> <laughs> that,
1: that, that's true. <laughs> that is not an. Couple of are calling me this week, asking me for, "Hey Joe, who's, who's got a game open?" <laughs> exactly. So uh, yeah,
0: it is sort of, kind of done. We just need to organize it a little bit better. <laughs> um, next up is uh, Lewis Murray. Uh, first time question asker i believe so welcome lewis he says how good is young how far can they go second question how good was the team they lost to from muskegon uh i believe muskegon five and zero. i want to say or was that michigan city ah i think that was michigan city
1: yeah i i, I did not prepare from out of state michigan team uh and i have yeah. not talked to whitney young to ask them how good they were although i'm sure they would tell me they're very good uh i i don't know
0: yeah, I'm uh, gonna. Do, I'll do a quick while we're talking here. Take a look. The Max Prep's been pretty good lately. The Michigan City team that beat Uplift, I did get kind of a scouting report on them. I heard that they were decent. They didn't beat themselves, but they weren't exactly loaded um, with anybody. Okay, it looks like they're unbeaten. They beat Rockford, Michigan, Grand Haven, Michigan, East Kentwood, Michigan, Mona Shores, Michigan, which I've never heard of.
1: They and, went into Mona yeah. Shores and got a win. <laughs> I'm kidding, but
0: go ahead. <laughs> yeah, who knows? Um, I, I don't know. But I'm sure that both teams are very happy they went
1: to Michigan. Yeah, to and, and, you know, they're not scheduling. I mean, they, they do a little planning. They know – I mean, it's they're aware of if it's a program that's, you know, a credible program, and they're not just going to go play anybody. So, I'm assuming – and, <laughs> I mean, I'm assuming they're pretty good because they beat Young, and Young's pretty darn good.
0: So, yeah, oh, yeah, the first part of the question. Yeah, Young can win state.
1: Right they can win the I mean the they're city. a state yeah. title contender. Uh, probably the best team they've had since well, not probably, it is. The best team they've had since uh Julio Okafor left, you know, and won that state championship.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Uh next up is from Tim Rushi from Glenview who uh, asks questions quite often, and this time let me know how to pronounce his name, since I butcher that every time. Uh, Tim says, hello, how does this, I guess this is a good question for Joe. Uh, he says, how does someone go from unnoticed to Division One? I? I guess specifically for seniors, since there's a fair amount of these athletes sprinkled around the country, and it shows, uh, wait, hold on, uh, there's also a fair amount who just aren't that good. How do you become one of those kids who do become Division One during their senior year after having no offers when the season started?
1: I think there's two roads one of them is just complete ignorance uh and i mean just by a kid might not pass the look test as they play aau and college coaches continue to get hung up on that and and to a degree i get it but they're ultra productive they're very good and they just don't want to believe that this kid's ability will translate at the next level because of that look test and they play out that senior year, and then they finally say, "You know what? The kid just keeps getting it done. He keeps winning, keeps putting up numbers, and they bite." And that's one way it happens. The other thing is, there we are still talking about teenagers, late bloomers. There continue to be late bloomers, and you no, know, but I will say it doesn't happen a lot, Mike. I mean, it's not like guys with no Division One offers just start getting them in their senior year i mean i would say 95 percent of the time they they have gotten that offer or that type of interest well be before they play out their senior year but it does happen and there's another there's a case of it downstate right now in central illinois taylor bruniga from tiny illini bluffs who kind of fits that first description even though he's six foot seven and can shoot it but it, 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 what position is he is he athletic enough he plays only small schools he I don't care I, I've watched this kid enough if anybody hasn't paid attention I've been tweeting about this kid just i you know, trying to help him out a little bit he's averaging about 36 37 points a game 16 rebounds a game yes it's it's small school basketball but you're talking about a six seven kid six eight six seven six eight kid who can shoot the basketball and he moves well and this kid not to have a Division One offer. So I am convinced that it will pop, it will happen, so it will fit this scenario of what he's talking about where how does a kid not have. Because here's a kid played on a pretty, pretty well-known AAU program, the Illinois Irish, and he played in a lot of programs, and I've talked to college coaches, dozens of them have asked me about him, and I say he's Division One, they say no. Uh, so we'll see what happens. But, you know, it does happen, but not very often.
0: All right. The next, the final question actually dovetails perfectly with one of my takes. So it's from Trial Holland the second. He says, hey guys, big fan of the show. Keep up the great work. My question is, does Fenwick have what it takes to win the state title? I was there at UIC and watched the overtime thriller versus Oak Park. I've been impressed with DJ Stewart. So I will answer this. I don't think Joe will disagree with me. My, oh,
1: it dovetails into one of my takes. I hope we don't have this. We never, by the way, we don't ever really talk <laughs> too much yeah. about our our takes or what we're going to say uh, prior to any podcast. But uh, go ahead. I don't think we'll have the same yeah, take.
0: Probably not. My first take, you probably agree, but um, it's just written down here on my pad of paper. And it simply says, class 3A is gross. <laughs>
1: Holy cow. Uh-oh. We have the same take. Oh. Did you also call it gross <laughs> or did I you thought make it's it? great? I <laughs> thought it's fantastic. No, I did not. Go ahead. Finish your take and I well, mean, let's talk about it together because yeah. my take on my piece of paper is class 3A is as weak in my mind as it has been since they've gone to the four class system.
0: Yeah, and it's not only just weak, it is um it's ugly to look at because if you look at it now, I think there's only three real sectionals. They've also chopped up the sectionals into these subsectionals in all, all the cases, but the Chicago area ones, which also doesn't make a lot of sense to me because I'm pretty sure that from, Oh, let's say Vernon Hills to the public league school. Oh, say Peyton or Roosevelt is just as far as some of these subsectionals. That have been busted up. So that doesn't, whatever. It, it it doesn't even look like an actual IHSA big school tournament to me. The way they've broken no, it up. And yes, There's the talent level is horrible and Fenwick can win it. Uh, it's bad. Yeah.
1: My my yeah. take to add on that was I, about 15 minutes before the podcast, I texted Mike. I texted you. I asked you, where do I find the AP rank? I haven't seen the AP rankings in a couple of weeks. And I specifically got – I mean, you didn't know why I was asking you, but I was trying to see how many of the top 3A teams I've actually seen. And so I pulled it up and found it. And between live or watching a, a online a, a game that I couldn't get to, uh, which I've watched a handful of those this year, I've seen about seven of the top ten. And I'm not trying to pick on individual – I'll take a Muhammad Seymour. I'm not picking on you, Bulldogs, but – I did get a glimpse of you down at the State Farm Classic. They're ranked eighth in the state. Mike? Oh, okay, I mean, we're, this is not a, a, a what we've seen even in the past years in 3A. I look at a Morgan Park, Mike, and I think Morgan Park is clearly not the Morgan Park that we've seen other years from the Billy Garrett, Kyle Davis teams to the Josh Cunningham, Charlie Moore teams to the Marcus LeVette, Charlie Moore teams to the, heck, even last year. And yet, if I had to pick out a team that's from Chicago area that's going to be playing for a state championship, Morgan Park is the team. Now Springfield Landfair is really good. Uh, they, they, they've, but we've seen Bloomington. Eh, you know we've seen North Lawndale. Mm. We've seen you know Fenwick's good. Just what you said, uh, they could win a state championship. Farragut, uh, you know, it's just it, it's just the weakest I've ever seen it.
0: Yeah, no doubt. I mean those AP rankings. I mean, but this, those
1: are I mean, probably the best teams. I mean,
0: no, I, there's no way Muhammad Seymour is eighth. Just off well, the top no, of no, my
1: head, no, no, no. I'm, just. I mean, they, they have Peoria Manual receiving votes. Um, yeah. th- those are th- enough. Uh, whoever voted around
0: Central Illinois came up, looked at the best three A teams, and Muhammad's one of their best there, and so they got enough votes.
1: But there's not a whole lot of three A pop up here either, though.
0: No, but I mean, just uh, there's.
1: They're, they're, I, I have seen better three A teams. In the Chicago area, better than Muhammad Seymour now. Well, Joliet Central, that was the game I watched. Now they're 4A, but, um, you know, so then Joliet Central by these rankings would be in the top seven, top eight in 3A.
0: Yeah, it's just something has to – I just don't yeah, it's
1: not – nothing's happening, Mike, so uh, don't – Yeah, it's so bad. The
0: success 3A. factor
1: has just made it even worse. That's why it's – I guess – Well, for, and even in the past, Mike, I mean – uh, well, you're right. I mean, I interrupted you before you maybe explained that. But uh, even in the past, 3A is never deep. It's always top-heavy. And the best teams generally always get to Peoria because they only really have to win one – not all the time, but mostly you will got to win like one really tough game to get to Peoria if you're a 3A school. If yeah. that. Wouldn't you agree? Unless you're in the west side
0: of Chicago sectional. Yeah, yeah right. A hundred percent.
1: And I don't know. Anyway, but you're right. The success factor, what you were saying, bumps up. Um,
0: and during this podcast, the IHSA just made a change to that. The email was too complicated. I was trying to read it, but I can't read complicated rule changes and podcast. So uh, I guess you guys will find out for me on Twitter.
1: <laughs> we knocked out <laughs> two today.
0: Knocked out two. Yeah. Next up, Pat Disiberto of the. Daily Southtown. Sorry, it used to be the Southtown star, then it was the Southtown. It's the Daily Southtown again. Um, I know Pat, he's a good guy. He uh, wrote a very interesting column about Brandon Hurt's transfer from Marian Catholic. Had Mike Taylor's take on there, who said it all. If you haven't read it, go do that. People have been arguing about it all over the place. Um, My take, you know, you guys have heard me say this before, so it's not going to be anything new. Basically, Pat's column was about, is Brandon Hurt a D1 player? These parents today think this, think that. And I agree with most of the things in the column. However, I want to stress this again to everyone who has so much to say and gets so upset about this. I've met Brandon Hurt's father quite a few times. I haven't met his mother, but he's got his family all around him. If parents want their children, if the family makes a decision for a kid to leave, it's their business. And maybe they're wrong, but that's their choice, and I and I really don't think it's this crime that it's made out to be by everyone. It's not some crazed street agent or AAU coach yanking a kid out of school. It's a family decision to move for to to change schools for whatever reason. And I think in a lot of ways that needs to be respected
1: more. I would generally agree with that notion, but I think it's absolute garbage. The way it went down. I, I think it's awful. I think it's you, you, you went you, you went and went and played a game with your team. I mean, a lot of this, Mike, is the whole. I mean, you can say uh, poo poo it the whole team thing and, and putting 14 first and all that. But you don't go play a game. Your first day of a holiday tournament. And bolt the next morning. I mean, you, you don't think that plan was in the works already.
0: Oh yeah, oh no. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I mean, is. I know what you're saying <laughs> Yeah, it. yeah.
1: It's it's parents' choice and live with it and it's nobody else's business basically. And I get that. I mean, they want to do what they they think that's what's best for their kid. I just think I just think it's absolute garbage that you're bolting in the middle of a season and and especially the timing of it. They had 10 10 days, 2 weeks off prior to their holiday tournament game. I mean, come on. It, 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 it's, and, and, and the reasoning, which was in the in the article past, re- which pointed it out, it is ludicrous to think that a high school basketball program in today's world has a whole lot to do with not getting attention from college coaches, because you just played a whole July. For a high, pretty high-profile basketball situation in July, and if you don't have an offer, and you're not getting the interest, that is your that's your alarm. That's that's what's telling you're tell, they're telling you you're not good enough, at least not yet. So you need to move forward in the best way you can. They decided that's the way they wanted to go forward, but to to put the blame on a Marion Catholic or a Mike Taylor. Is is ludicrous. And especially in today's high school basketball world, in recruiting. I mean, it, just, it doesn't even make sense.
0: Yeah, but I mean, they didn't come out and publicly put the blame on anyone. They just left.
1: Well, but what was the reason for leaving?
0: They don't give a reason. They just left. La-
1: well, I, I mean, they don't have well, I mean, to. They literally... I know we shouldn't read between the lines, but I mean, yeah. it's pretty easy to read between the lines if you're leaving. In in December, Mike. I mean, if you want me to play
0: devil's advocate, it's very easy to do in this situation. He thought he was going to be playing on a team loaded with Division I prospects. That didn't He's happen. He's not even the best player in the team. I know, but they left. So the team is not the team he thought he was going to have.
1: Well, more opportunity to showcase yourself.
0: That's a way to look at it. But I guess these parents, they don't have the luxury of doing everything maybe the way the world wants them to. It's a ticking clock to get their kid a spot in college and so they're gonna do what they have to do when they have to do it
1: well they're i'm just saying they're misinformed a lot of them are misinformed
0: i mean i'm not gonna disagree with that i didn't think brandon hurt was out there you know proven a lot either but maybe that's the reason he has to leave i mean maybe he will be better off somewhere else i just i think it was it's very one-sided there's everybody has
1: been but i v- think it's one-sided because of the timing i really do i mean i if he left and this came into August and said, hey, uh, you know what? I'm out of here. You're All right. Or right. yeah. before you're the right. basketball season. I mean... you're you at totally the very right least, a week ago, or a week before. I mean, come on. I, I can Do see it. that, but I
0: think th- there needed to be more of an effort, you know, not to criticize Pat here, but to get hurt's side of the story. Maybe this, there, there was a spot at this place just now, and he had to jump. You know, Maybe it's something they had been trying to work out. I mean, we don't know both sides of the story.
1: And I'm tired of Oh, I'm so tired of prep schools texting me, tweeting me, calling me, and asking me for players. I, it's, are, are you kidding me? I mean, I, I have a college basketball recruiting service that colleges pay me for, and I provide them information. But, I mean, they're just on the prowl, man. It's, just, <laughs> it's, 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 it's amazing. I'm like, dude, we're in the middle of the season. And it's like uh, anyway, that's a whole another podcast. Yeah, what's uh,
0: you got another take?
1: Yeah, oh, I'm so fired up now. Oh, <laughs> that's right. oh uh, this is a, a two part take, so I like got almost like one and a half. I, 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 I think the, I really think this weekend's Wheaton South Martin Luther King tournament is the best mid season tournament we've seen. Um. I don't know. I mean, other than the public league tournament that we've seen in a, in a long, long time, maybe ever. And I'm, I'm not talking about holiday tournaments, just the, all these Martin Luther King deals. But I still don't like them. <laughs> uh, it, it's going to be if anybody, a, a 16-team tournament this weekend at Wheaton South with, I think, four ranked teams plus three or four teams that are really uh, high, pretty high level, high school basketball teams in the Chicago area, plus Bloomington, which is a, state, a state-ranked team. But I just don't like it, Mike, for the fact that uh, I got a story coming out here uh, tonight. Like a Benedicta, Bennett's playing Friday night against St. Pat's, big game for them, East Suburban Catholic Conference. They come back from a road game at St. Pat's, play at 9:30 against a very solid Hinsdale South team. And then, if they win, they go play HF at I don't know 4:30 or something. You're playing three games in less than 21 hours. I don't like it, and then you have to bounce back and play two more on Monday against who knows. I mean, it could be it's two going to be two ranked teams if you keep winning. I, I it's gonna. I wrote about it and I said it's kind of going to be a war of attrition. I, I just don't like the. I don't know even though the reason specific reasons why I just don't think you're going to see by and I've gone to this by Monday. I don't think you. I think you see some ragged tired teams, and it's not real indicative of those one losses. Of the, on that day of what you're really getting from those teams. Um, I, I just think it's a lot of basketball to be played in, in a 48-hour period.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. I think it that helped me misevaluate Bennett a little bit last year because that's one of the times I saw them was during this tournament. I think it was like the second game on one of those days. It was a Waukegan, and they did not look good at all. Um but yeah, you're right. I think the weird thing about this year is, is why aren't they playing on Sunday?
1: Well, public schools don't play on Sunday. I mean, suburban public schools, most of them. Sure they do. Not nah, not a lot of them.
0: I don't know. I, mean, I, sit, not... I sit there and watch them play an awful lot on Sunday.
1: In the western suburbs?
0: The Ridgewood things on Sunday. We got a thing on Sunday this weekend. I mean, I'm gonna go watch well,
1: Okay, but let's say they do. But you wanna play now five games in
0: Two well, days. no, but that way you could move one of the games. You wouldn't have to play two games on Saturday.
1: Ugh! Now you're just making it worse for me.
0: Yeah, to me, it's weird that they just take a day off in the middle of having to play two in the middle. It's just, I would play. I'd rather have them
1: play game. two eight-team tournaments. <laughs> two 18 two turn- eight-team tournaments. Play uh, two games on Saturday and come back and play the championship on Monday. I just don't like four games. I mean we play these Christmas tournaments and they're four games in three days or four games in four days. And and now we come right back and do it again. I just, it's going to be good because they got good teams. I just don't like the overall concept and idea of it, but that's just me.
0: Yep. All right. Is that the uh, end of the take? Yeah. Okay. So I guess it's time for the uh, life outside the super 25.
1: And our goal of this was To not only bring up new schools, new players, but also for Mike and I not to repeat. Because we'd have probably, one of our topics is uh, we're going to provide the five, our five best players that aren't or haven't been on a ranked team this year. Not prospects, but players, high school basketball players, and we weren't going to repeat the same players, even though some of them are the same. So we want to get like ten names. But what we're doing is we're doing um, we're going to start with the best team outside the top twenty-five. Mike and I, uh, and then we're going to have kind of a segment where we're going to talk about the best teams that have never sniffed Michael O'Brien's top twenty-five this year, either currently or in the past. And then we're going to talk about the players and the the players that are on some. Non top twenty five teams. So, what's your best team outside of the top twenty five, Mike?
0: Best team is Waukegan. Uh, I think they're right there with a couple other ones, actually. But I'm going to go with Waukegan. They're ten and four. I wrote about it in the newspaper today. You know, they had a lot of good losses. They lost to Boylan. They lost to Prospect. They lost to Notre Dame. They have a bet one bad loss. You know, they lost to um, sorry uh, Libertyville. Not bad, but not a great loss. But then they went into Zion Benton, won a just. Hotly contested, super fun game Thursday night, and they have something that none of these other teams we're gonna talk about have. Yeah, I guess that's even not even true. Maybe West Westinghouse. They have a star. Carson Newsome is a bona fide high school basketball star. I know people various opinions about how good he'll be in college. Who cares? At high school basketball right now, he is a really great player. I, he was better than Nana Atkinton, and he, that guy's been getting a lot of attention from everybody, me included. He can do mo- He shot what do he make five or six threes in this game, but he also got to the basket. He was just an absolute force stealing the ball on defense. He was posting up and scoring, he was scoring in every way possible for high school basketball player in Zion Benton in just a, a super intense game. And I went back and I've looked over Newsom's career. He plays really well when I'm there, and when <laughs> I'm there that's the biggest games of the year. So that's not something to, you know, shake your head at. Maybe he's not doing that every night, which could be a problem, but you got to love a player who shows in the biggest games, and that's what Carson Newsom has done over his career. I mean, when I've been around at least, I really like that, and that gives me confidence. We know that the three Browns, you know, Jordan, Jadin and Bryant Brown, Bryant Brown's had a big year, so there's a lot of youth there. I think they'll be better by the end of the year, but I think Carson Newsom alone makes Waukegan a really dangerous team.
1: You know his numbers, like what kind of numbers he's putting up I overall. Don't. No, I don't. Uh, I'm just, just curious, some of these guys just because because uh, yeah. Bryant Brown's had a good year. I mean, I'm just curious, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I can't. I mean, if we were doing Joe Hendrickson's, if this was our rankings, they wouldn't have been allowed to be in because I did have them in the preseason top 25. But I agree with you. I mean, I, they are. I think they're. I, I've talked about this. They're going to continue to get better because of that youth, and. You know I, they're going to be dangerous, really dangerous. I think, uh, by the time March rolls around. And they host mm-hmm.
0: the sectional. Last thing we should mention. So,
1: my team is Saint Patrick, and I, I've been on the Saint Pat's bandwagon. Well, since taking in a couple of their games at uh, the York tournament, and I, I, I just believe that. Uh, I I think people are even though they kind of stubbed their toe in, in a big matchup with Conan, double digit loss. And they got one kind of. They lost to De La Salle early in the year, and De La Salle's kind of gone on the tank here the last couple weeks. But uh, they are thirteen and two. They're off to a two and zero start in the in the Eastern Brim Catholic. And I, I just like the the blend and the mix they have of of backcourt play, uh, athleticism. They've got size. He plays nine. Coach Mike Bailey has nine players deep. He's got about four guys averaging between nine and eleven points a game. Lawrence Merritt, Xavier Pinson, and Jalen Nelson are are uh, three perimeter guys who all played last year, all got experience, and then the arrival of Alton Thompson, a six four, athletic freak. Mike, uh, this kid, I he, I don't think you've seen Saint Pat's play, but. Um, he is electric athletically, goes up and, and, and plays well above the rim. You know, he's averaging 10, 11 a game. So, you know, they've got a big one at home Friday night against Bennett, which we'll learn a lot more about St. Pat's. Um, you know, they've got some tests, you know, in the league. Their, their schedule isn't loaded. It's interesting. They do play, I believe they play Conan again uh, in a non-conference game at the end of, towards the end of the season, which they lost to Conan in the championship game at York. But you know, I, I think St. Pat's is is probably the best team outside your top twenty five. And and I could argue Waukegan as well. So those are were clearly my two choices.
0: Um I don't know if you saw but just today popped up or is going to play St. Patrick on Sunday.
1: Oh, all right. Another and, good non-conference. So I mean, you know, St. Pat's the second half of the season, they'll have Bennett Academy, they'll play at Marion Catholic, they'll play at Loyola Academy, a decent game for them. Uh, Conant, and then they close the season at Marist and Notre Dame, two tough games in the league, and then the Oregon. So they've got about five, handful of really tough games uh, for St. Pat's that will, you know, show if they deserve to be in your top twenty-five.
0: Uh, next up for me, um, now Joe and I are going to hit like a handful of other teams just outside that Super Twenty-five that need to be watched. Up for me is Westinghouse. 7-6 and six record, which you look at and you think, gross. But my goodness, these are the losses. Brook, Fenwick, Farragut, North Lawndale, and Uplift. Almost all of those games were extremely close. They led in the second half of most of them, actually. And the Farragut loss was in overtime at home. They do have one not great loss to Morton, who's not a bad team. That was early in the year. Uh, they're great. They're big wins. Aren't super big, but they're decent. Lincoln Park, Marshall, and Maine South. But the reason they are so good to me, obviously, Corian Rushan, He's going to be one of the players I'm going to highlight later. We'll talk about him. Dexter Reed is a kid. One of those kids where you won't know him when you show up at the game. By the time you leave, you won't forget him. And every time you think about that team, you'll keep thinking about him. I mean, I think he might have had 12 rebounds in the game I saw against Farragut. Just an absolute force on defense relentless going to the basket. Dexter Reed is one of those great public league, just tough guards at some college program is going to get somewhere in low level of college basketball. And he's just going to be a fan favorite and a great player for years, but he's really the kind of kid who helps you win. And I think Westinghouse by the end of the year, they're going to be dangerous in that sectional.
1: I'm going to go with Lincoln white East as one of mine. You could argue this team, uh, you know, and now they are, you know, they're 10 and four overall. They are probably only going to try and play the role of spoiler in the Southwest Suburban Blue where Bolingbrook and Holman Flossmore are going to battle it out for the top spot. But, but I think you can argue that this team is going to be a top four or top five seed in their sectional. And it's a sectional they will host. So Bolingbrook, Juliet West, Juliet Central have a firm grasp on one, two and three right now in that sectional. But after that, I mean, it's pretty up for grabs, and uh, you could squeeze out a regional championship win in that four or five game, maybe against a West Aurora. But I, I like this team. They- they- they've, you know, they played Thornton tough. They lost to Thornton by six. Or, I'm sorry, um, that was Lingley West. Uh, they they lost to HF uh, by two, a 47-45. Uh, they're still, you know, they lost to Brother Rice by seven. They beat Crete Monie. Uh, they went out of the area and, and, and played downstate um, in, in the holidays. So they don't have a marquee win, but they've got Sam Schaefer, solid shooter, Dorian uh, Louis, six 6'5 athlete, Zach Pardon a point guard. I, I just think this team is is kind of flying under the radar, a little bit better than probably people think. And they're one of the most improved teams from a year ago. They, they weren't very good. They were young last year. Uh, but I, I just I like the potential that they could push towards 17-18 win season.
0: Yeah, I cringed when I saw that that sectional was going to be a Lincoln Way East. Not the best gym historically for Joliet. I was not pleased to see it, so they will definitely have a nice home court advantage there. Uh, next up for me, TF North. They are perennially a difficult team in the south suburbs. You know, they're always tough to play. They're always usually pretty good. And they're also a team that I know none of us seem to have a great handle on until we see them. And I have not seen them yet this year, but they are 11-3. Their losses are all out-of-area teams. They're one of those teams that do not have a local loss. They lost O'Fallon, Rock Island, and Belleville West. They beat Bogan. That was early in the year. And they just smacked the heck out of Richards this past week. Uh, Joel Deere scored 24 points in that game. They've got 6, six kid Michael Williams, who's been putting up double-doubles. Another high-scoring guard in Jetticus Dixon I saw these guys last year. You know, they were young. Uh, Coach Tim Bankston was playing a ton of young players, but his teams really get after it. I'm starting to think that this TF North team is just somebody maybe we've missed. We're going to, I'll see them this weekend, so we'll know a little bit more. But I think the Meteor is definitely one to watch.
1: And they had a ton of players back from last year. That was yeah. probably an indicator of maybe they were missed because they had basically every, um, basically, the whole roster back. Uh, my next team is Prospect. We have talked a little bit about Prospect here they they i think they're going to win the mid-suburban league mid-suburban league east i think uh they're 12 and 4 three of their four losses have come to conant evanston and waukegan three very good teams and and they were for the most part hung around in those games uh they've beaten stevenson they've got a couple other low-key wins that aren't bad so i frankie max a high-scoring guard Matt Zuba, 6'6 kid, who's very versatile, does a lot of different things for them. I mean, prospect right now, going forward, I just talked about him probably winning a, a conference championship, probably pushing towards 20 wins, and likely being a third seed in the Elk Grove Village sectional. And, and Conant and Friend, I mean, Friend and Conant will be one and two. But uh, I, I like prospects' potential going forward. I think they're going to be dangerous. Uh, in, in that, in those regional sectional games,
0: yeah, boy, do I agree. I guess for those of you who haven't seen Prospect, I've seen them a couple times. They are like the main South teams of the past couple of years. Maybe not w- with quite the size, but with the style and the toughness. And you know, on a given night, they can really knock off any a much more talented team. Uh, so yeah, they are going to be dangerous for sure. My last one I just wanted to hit Ridgewood real quick. I'm going to talk about their star Zach. Rez and Wiki later on when we do the top five kids. But, you know, they're a team. I think they've, boy, have they been to the sectional final the last two years? You know, I didn't check that They had that out.
1: dramatic uh, yeah. buzzer beating win last year.
0: Well, well, get ready for it again. I mean, they, you look at this Antioch sectional. I mean, Ridgewood's 11 and 4. They don't have any really big wins, but they have a star. And this is, this sectional is just way, way, way winnable for them. You got St. Viator, North Chicago, and Carmel. I guess, would be their big competitors. Huh. I mean, that's. I mean, they're in trouble in the Super. You know, they're going to play the Fenwick sectional. But, yeah, Ridgewood is a team that, once again, could very well win a sectional.
1: Hinsdale South. Uh, now this will be a big weekend for Hinsdale South. They're 8-5, and five and they just came off. They're fresh off a big win. They yeah. beat Downers Grove South, which is probably the favorite going into the season. That probably they were. The favorite in the West Suburban gold. And all of a sudden, right now, Mike, Hinsdale South's 3-0 in the league. And, you know, they're going to have to go play Bennett on Saturday morning, 9.30 in the morning at the Wheaton South um, MLK tournament. But they put themselves in a position for a potential conference championship run. They've got a a, a a super talented junior in Zion Griffin, who's flown under the radar. I've written about him a lot here in the last few weeks, but Uh, This is a team that's kind of, you know, I went and saw it they they, they took care of Willowbrook earlier in the year, but, you know, that sectional they're in, uh, it's, you know, Bennett's going to be the favorite in that sectional down the road, but uh, I I just think Kinsdale South is kind of going to be lurking and be a lower-seeded team in that sectional, probably not a top four seed when it's all said and done, maybe if they push forward here, but uh, a team I wouldn't want to play if I, if I am a top four seed.
0: Yeah, I'm really interested in them. I might actually head out. It, it seems kind of ridiculous if I cover Bennett Friday night to also watch them at 9:30 in the morning on Saturday. But uh, I guess we can also complain about the Wheaton South bracket. It's ridiculous that Bennett and Hinsdale <laughs> South
1: are opening. Yeah, they did those before the holiday tournaments. Yeah. which, I mean that that's an awful first round game. I was just talking about it actually with uh, one of the coaches in the tournament, and they were a little. Little fired up about the brackets, but
0: yeah, uh, um, Nick Perry too. The HF kid is at um, Hinsdale South and has been playing well. You know, whenever, especially a team like Hinsdale South, when they get another good ball handler that can score, it always helps things out. That's usually what they lack, and Nick Perry's definitely that.
1: And uh, just real quick, a couple teams, Mike, I, I wanted to bring up um, that weren't in our original group here, but Prairie Ridge, and they they've won a lot of games, and they're eleven and four now after starting three and three. So obviously they they're 10 and 1 in their last 11 games and and they they play a, a a defense you don't want to play against the 1-2-2 they keep opposing offenses kind of saddled kind of loading and, and uh, Brian Dorn are kind of the headliners for Prairie Ridge and you know if, you know the Fox Valley Conference doesn't get a whole lot of pub and Jacobs is going to have an opportunity to give them but uh, some notoriety here this season, but Prayer Ridge is undefeated right now in the league. They'll play Jacobs, of course, and then they get into this uh, sectional, which is will be Jacobs to lose, I think. Uh, but it's it's just kind of a wide open sectional. You got those they split it up as one of those subsectionals at the Elgin sectional, and they'll be grouped with the Saint Charles's and um, Jacobs and and Prayer Ridge, but. Just the way they play, their style and system, it could be tricky for some teams. And the other one is Wheaton North. Uh, They are a team that that shoots the ball extremely well. Uh, Luke Anthony, Rowan McGowan, they knock down threes. They get hot. They can be dangerous. And, you know, they laid an egg against St. Pat's in the semifinal. They got beat up pretty good, the York tournament. Uh, They played Wheaton South tough. They've beaten... Uh, I believe they – I can't remember if they beat Naperville North or lost to Naperville North in overtime. Uh, It escapes my mind right now. But Wheaton North is a dangerous team in that sectional with what we were talking about earlier, Hinsdale South, Bennett, and uh, Wheaton South.
0: All right. Let's do these – breeze through these top five players. Uh, I already talked about him a little bit. Bokorian, Russian, unsigned senior. Seven, he's averaging 17 points, 12 rebounds, 3 assists, and 2 blocks against one of the most difficult schedules in the entire area. College coaches slightly obsessed with his shooting, but he, he does have offers from, I believe, Western and Winthrop. North Dakota State is around him now, but forget all that. He's, in a, he's a really, truly electric and exciting high school basketball player, throwing down dunks right and left, the blocks. He can dominate the game for stretches. He is a really exciting guy.
1: I went with my first one is a uh, really off the radar from Elgin Cortez Cooper. He's six foot eight, super intriguing prospect. But he's also getting a lot done. He's averaged about fourteen a game, thirteen rebounds, uh, three or four block shots. He's extremely long with great. I mean, his wingspan seven foot blocks a ton of shots, defensive disruptor. And you know, Elgin is 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 not a high profile team right now as far as. In the Chicago area, but Cortez Cooper is. I mean, he, this is a legit college prospect at six foot eight, and putting up big numbers for Elgin.
0: Boy, lots of uh, size out there in the Elgin area with the Larkin kid too. Um, next up for me, a guy you're gonna know about, but considering how talented he is, we don't talk about him much on the pro- on the podcast. It's Drew Peterson from Libertyville, who's uh, I think stacking up Big Ten interest at least, if not offers. His numbers, boy, I just got them today: nineteen point eight points and 7.8 rebounds and 4 assists per game. Those are those are player of the year caliber numbers. I mean, that's some serious production all over the court. He, he's an interesting player to watch, too. He, he doesn't force a lot, doesn't do a lot bad. He just doesn't have quite enough around him yet at Libertyville. That's why you know he can't quite get them into the Super Twenty Five. To me, it's going to be interesting to see what he can do with them next year, and if a player this good is going to be able to make Liber- Libertyville kind of a, a perennial Super Twenty Five team next season.
1: My next one's Ty Bibbs, uh, West Chicago, recently uh, back on the open market after uh, you know getting out of his Drake commitment, and he's a six foot two, six foot three guard. Put speaking of numbers, he's putting up huge numbers for West Chicago. Uh, he just eclipsed a thousand career points. Uh, he, he is one of the, I mean, he's simply one of the best players in the, in the senior class and putting up like, again, huge numbers, 20 plus points a game. He is he, he, he a monster numbers out in DeKal holiday tournament, the Ty Bibbs is a no brainer for me he is one of the best players on a non-ranked team.
0: Yeah. He is somebody I gotta, you know, I went out to see him last year and he did not have a good games. So I, I need Some night in February when there's that much going on, I'm going to show up at a West Chicago game, and we shall see. Uh, Next for me is uh, Zach Reswicky from Ridgewood, averaging 23 points per game. He hit nine threes. I think it was Friday night at some point last week against Elmwood Park, scored 33. He was nine for 13 from three. I mean, that's pretty amazing for high school basketball, and this kid's been doing it from the start. He's just a terrific high school basketball player, not just a shooter. He can also get to the rim, you know, college stuff. I'm not really even sure. He, I think he might've committed to a D. Did he? Yeesh. I don't uh,
1: know. Yeah. He, uh, I think he uh, has a division two um, school out East. Um, it's, it's my mind's blank right now. Yeah.
0: But he is, he's just another kid who just lights up the scoreboard, does it in a lot of ways. And you know, we already said it earlier. They could very well win that sectional. They probably will. And I guess it wouldn't be crazy to see him go off, and who knows, maybe they could win that Super game. Maybe they could take down the Super. Maybe he'll be the um, Marco Pettinato of this year, and he'll wind (laughs) up in Peoria.
1: At the end of the season, Mike, if you put his career resume together, it's going to be pretty impressive. Yeah, Yeah, A really underrated high school basketball career when you look at the success and the numbers and everything that, that that kid's done uh Rod Henry Hayes Zion Benton, uh is another one a uh, uh, player who I've written a lot about lately but he you know he he went nuts down in uh, State Farm Classic and a game caught my eye but 34 points he hit five or six threes he, he is a versatile offensive player who can put it on the floor get to the rim and I know he didn't shoot it real well in the. I don't believe he shot it real well percentage wise in the Waukegan game that they lost. But he can get hot, and he's a sniper from the perimeter. He was a, he,
0: he was excellent in that game though overall.
1: He, he was a he's a difference maker uh, with the ball in his hands, and he's one of the best kept secrets among college coaches who don't know anything about him. He didn't play AAU this summer in July, which again goes answer our original podcast question at the beginning of the show how does a kid well there's one reason you know he, i i think he's a division one talent and uh we'll see how it plays out here because no one really knows him
0: yeah i'm um, based off the game i saw i 100 percent agree at one point he drove the lane threw down a hammer dunk in traffic that was just totally shocking he, he's a very good athlete and he's not one of those guys where you sit around waiting to see if he's going to do anything he had the ball in his hands. He was making plays. He played as the real point guard for Zion Benton, even. I was very impressed with him. I definitely think he's a D1 player. I wouldn't think he was would be out of place at all in the, in the Missouri Valley to me.
1: No, he, he's a talent, man. Yeah. I mean, and he's versatile, like you said. He's he he he's got point guard skills, and um, he will break you down. He's a score. He's averaging like 17 18, or 18, 19 a game. I mean, he's, he's, a, he's a special talent that just has completely flown on the radar.
0: Uh, next up for me is a guy who isn't getting those D1 looks, John Contant of Stag. I've mentioned him a few time on the po- times on the podcast. He almost pulled off the upset of Bolingbrook last week. Scored 30 against Bolingbrook. By all accounts, was clearly the best player on the floor. You know, he's a shooter. He, he, he can do some other things. He's 6'4". You know, he's not useless otherwise. But when this guy is on... Steg is also good enough to beat just about anybody, as we saw with the Bolingbroke thing. Another guy that could pull off some upsets, another team that could pull off some upsets in March. I'm excited to go out and see John Content this year. I saw him last year, and it'll be interesting to see what happens with him. You know, Steg had another guy who wasn't getting a lot of interest that was scoring pretty high a couple of years ago, Max
1: Struess. You know, he's sitting it out to DePaul, ready to play next year at DePaul. Uh, my next one is Josh Nego at Brother Rice, and... This is a, a, a player who I – there's a handful of players that always just continue to improve and, and get better over the, and, and make the biggest jumps. He's one of those kids. He, he's a terrific shooter. He's crafty. He's smart. He's got a little size on the perimeter, knocks down shots with range. Uh, he blends and fits in perfectly with what Brother Rice does and Bobby, Bobby Frazier. He's a scholarship kid at, at the Division II, any IA level. And, you know, he he's getting a lot of that interest as well as high-level division three. And he he's the key player. Him and Mike Shevsky for Brother Rice is why they're a player or a team that you do not want to have to face because of those two kids.
0: Uh, next up for me, Demaria Franklin from Niles North. He's a junior. He is an athlete. I saw him have a spectacular playoff game late last season. He scored 29 against Liber- Libertyville earlier this year. He's had some very big games. I'm not sure if the consistency is there. You know, you don't see it him always leading Niles North, but he just has those prospect intangibles that you could, I would not be surprised next year if he's an all-state type guy all area type player that we are looking at and maybe a low high major prospect i don't know where you have him ranked joe but he's just got that athletic ability and when he gets hot he's extremely dangerous
1: my last one is it's a little bit of a repeat because i mentioned him earlier but zion griffin from hinsdale south he's a six five junior another explosive athlete uh a, a lefty who's just putting up none he's a big uh, double double guy He's big on the glass. He blocks shots. Uh, he'll dunk on you. He'll, he'll hit a little mid-range jumper. And he, he's just a kid that's blossomed here as a junior. And he was off. He was on anybody's radar heading into the season, including mine. And and uh, he, he's just been one of the kids that's really raised his stock the most in that junior class.
0: All right, that wraps up the look outside the Super 25 been another long podcast joe let's uh well i
1: gotta get a lot of those <laughs> nine top 25 get some love out for him
0: that's right and let's let's quickly go through the week it's a big week at kenwood is tonight when you're listening to this we gotta hit it you know it's the preseason number one at the current number three curie's best rivalry who do you got joe
1: oh i'm i'm going is that kenwood yeah yeah i'm going kenwood kenwood and a tight one i mean i i think uh I, I mean, I, Curie's got plenty of time to sort things out and 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 to kind of sway me back to Curie, but uh, right now I, it's hard to dig deep in with Curie because of what we saw. Uh, I, I I can't win a close one.
0: I'm going with Curie. I think they're going to be fired up for this one. I don't think Kenwood's ready. Curie's traveled around, played some really tough games. They're looking at this as a statement game for them after what happened. I think. Basically, we saw last year they played, what, three times at least? Maybe four? It always comes down to the end. I think Curie's going to have that little bit tomorrow night to do it.
1: Uh, well, what... you talk about statement game, too. It's as also for Kenwood because they, they, they've been out of sight, out of mind with all these out-of-state games, and I think they're itching to get that big in-state win to, to get a Mike O'Brien uh, on board with them.
0: Well, they're already number three. They're not getting much higher than that. Uh, <laughs> Wednesday, North Lawndale at Farragut. I am I think this is, I mean, North Lawndale always has some big games coming up as well. But to me, this is a almost an emergency game for North Lawndale. And it's a tough one because you got to go in to Farragut, tough place to play, good young team. But North Lawndale had a lot of publicity the beginning of the year. A lot of the city really thought they were going to be one of the best teams, and they have not lived up to that. They need a win, a big win at Farragut.
1: Yeah, I think they get it. I mean, I think North Lawndale's talent prevails there, and, and they get that win.
0: Thursday, Bogan at Morgan Park. Uh, the Mustangs took care of them at Bogans. You'd think they'd be able to do it again. Although, you know what? I did not check with Nick Irvin. I'm hearing Lamon Johnson um, hurt himself. Might be on crutches even. That's a huge loss for them. Uh, they need... I think he might have missed the Proviso West title game. I don't know. Yeah,
1: he was, he did not uh, play in the championship game. Yeah, they uh, need ball
0: handlers. That That's trouble. Uh, for
1: yeah, sure. Yeah, they... I. I you keep going down this Bogan road that I, I have not been able to follow you with, but, um, yeah, Morgan Park rolls.
0: Ooh. Arthur Goodwin just uh, queued that up for his, his book Well, I
1: mean, it's not like a lot of teams haven't ro- <laughs> rolled. <laughs>
0: uh, Friday, Bennett at St. Pat's. We've talked about St. Pat's a lot. We all know about Bennett. This game, it seems real important on Friday night, but both teams have such big games after that that, no one might even care what happened three days later. So we'll see how that goes. What do you think?
1: Well, I just think, I, I mean, Bennett, if Bennett wants to win a conference championship, Bennett has to win it because they will be one and two in the league. And they got that. Everybody remembers they lost that St. Viator game, which will probably, wouldn't you say right now, is the biggest upset of the year so far? Overall? This year? No. These are five and ten, Mike.
0: Yeah, but Danville beat Curie.
1: Oh, no way. It's Danville. What? Yeah. Do you say Danville's a bigger upset than over Curie?
0: Yeah, Bennett losing? Yeah, they were going to lose a bunch of games. I mean... No,
1: no way. You put Kendall Moore on the floor? No way. Anyway. Uh... But, I mean, Bennett
0: losing? How's that a huge upset?
1: To St. Vider? Yeah. St. Vider's 4-11 and 11 or something.
0: Sure, but they've pulled off a couple other big wins.
1: They beat Mary Catholic and. and yeah. So you no, got four I, wins, Mike.
0: I, I know. It's not. But, but I mean, it's just. Four, the, num- the undefeated number one team that beat Altoff and East St. Louis on the road in 24 hours, losing, yeah, in the second oh, round. Altoff
1: and East yeah. St. Louis. <laughs> Look at their records. All
0: right. No. Um. Anyway, yeah, this game's gonna seem really important Friday night, but then Bennett plays in like hours later and may- might play. Yeah, my point was if, if
1: Bennett loses, they it's gonna be hard for them to win a conference championship because they'll be one and two, and and paths will be three and zero, oh and Marist is undefeated. And
0: I'm not sure if I'm going there or not. There's also Bowling HF that night for the second time. There's also a Marian Catholic and Marist. I'm dying to see Marist. I'm not sure I want to see him against this new Marian Catholic team, and I think. Tuesday is Brother Rice Marist, so I might wait till then. But it's a good Friday night. Um, Real which, quick, those games. when you
1: watch Danville, yeah, their talent that they put in the floor, you weren't impressed?
0: Oh, no, I was impressed, but Curie shouldn't. It's still a bigger loss for the state champion, undefeated, top seed, number one in the state team to lose in the quarterfinal of them. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's a huge upset. I, mean, I don't give you that, but I'll give you that.
0: Yeah, I'm not saying Danville's bad. All right. They're good. Um, Saturday, we got all the um, the start of the Wheaton South tournament. Maybe a Bennett HF game in the second round at Wheaton South, which would be exciting. Also, Thornton versus Curie at TF North in the Hamburg shootout. Alonzo Verge's chance. You see any possible uh, upsets here?
1: No. Well, I mean, Bennett HF, if they play each other, what, what, I mean, what are you. Well, see, this is my point back <laughs> Can you imagine playing HF your third game in 21 hours?
0: Yeah. Against all good teams too. Hinsdale South. Uh, same Pats. Yeah. It's a mess.
1: Uh, no, I don't, I don't see any upsets there. Okay.
0: Um, I think Thornton Curie is a nightmare game for Curie. It's kind of be a home atmosphere for Thornton at TF North. Curie had that Kenwood game. They're focusing on. I think it's, it's a rough one for Curie. If if Curie can pull off wins against Thornton and Kenwood this week, they're going to make rankings difficult <laughs> for me. I'll say that. Well,
1: much. and it'll be, and I'll bring them back to what we thought they were. I mean, exactly. we yeah. don't take a lot of, I mean, I, I, I like the Joliet West win over Curie. I, I just, cause they wanted to win it, you know, and, 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 but it is a consolation bracket game. And
0: yeah, it says more for Joliet West than it does really.
1: Hurt yeah. Curie, I think. Right. So, uh, two, yeah, I mean,
0: two more ahead. things. Sunday, we got Marion Catholic at Thornton at six. It's part of a, like four three or four game shootout at Thornton. Um, and that's just, you know, a little bit after Thornton will have played Curie. So maybe Marion, I don't know. There's going to be so many games in so many days with so many of the same teams. It's going to be such a weird weekend. Then Monday, we've got the semis at Wheaton South and the title game could be more Bennett or more HF. And then we've got St. Pat's against Orr at Quest, the old attack on the west side at 4 o'clock.
1: St. Pat's and Orr on Sunday? Yeah. Ooh. Uh,
0: Monday. Wait, that's... No, no, I'm sorry. That that is Sunday. Oh, now I'm confused. I think it's Sunday. Whatever. we got basically the East Suburban Catholic and the Red West and Thornton Center. (laughs) (laughs) They are playing a ton, all against one another, so... Uh, interesting podcast schedule for next week. Joe and I haven't worked it out yet. I will try and get it up on Tuesday, but no guarantees. We might wait a day. I don't know to get all this action in from uh, Monday and Tuesday. But everybody, thanks for listening, especially if you've made it this deep <laughs> into the uh, into the uh, the show. Thanks a lot, and we'll see you next week.